And it hit me, you know, transparency is what's been lacking in the first 14 months because I'm in recovery and I'm loving it, but I'm still keeping and I'm even manufacturing some more secrets. You know how you get in AA where you don't want them to feel bad about you, so you present yourself rather than be yourself. Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Well, hello, lords and ladies. That was the voice of Mr. Gary Kay, the one and only Gary Kay that you have heard a couple of times before on this podcast. And you are going to hear so much more from him in just a moment. But first things first, I want to tell you, that I am honored, truly honored and privileged to serve as the chairperson for this meeting between meetings. I am so thankful that you are listening in with us today. All right, so I'm going to read a couple of posts from the Secret Facebook group. Then I'm going to play you a voicemail that we received. Then we're going to talk about Mr. Gary Kay, and we're going to go right into his episode. So, In fact, the first post that I'm reading from the secret Facebook group this week is from none other than Mr. Gary Kay, who is part of the secret Facebook group. He says on a post in there, if you can't overcome the obstacles in your path, maybe it's not your path. I love that. And it's a a quote that he heard in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. Once again, if you can't overcome the obstacles in your path, maybe it's not your path. And then here, Mr. Steve R. posted in the Facebook group. He said, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. That's from pages number 44 and 45 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then he said, after that, he said, I tried for years to control my drinking and addictive life. I tried to think my way out of fear and pain to have a good life whereby I live my values. I tried hard. Didn't work. Had it worked, I would never have found recovery. I would have no need for recovery. And as he always ends his writings with, help one, save two. Happy Tuesday, he said. All right, so now I want to play you a little voicemail we received this week. This is from my friend, Mr. Spencer T. of The Recovery Show. If you haven't heard that recovery podcast, I would highly recommend you go there. Once again, it's The Recovery Show. You can find that in all your favorite podcast players. And uh, here is uh, Spencer commenting on Brenda J. John, this is Spencer from The Recovery Show. I was listening to your Bill C. episode and all of the emails about Brenda J. And I just remember listening to her. I think she's been on twice. And both times, such a powerful story. So much emotion. Tears in my eyes. I just wanted to let you know, thank you for bringing her to us. 
Couldn't agree more, Mr. Spencer. Brenda J is a dynamo. She is absolutely out of this world. I get comments and feedback on her episode all the time. And thank you for dialing in, uh, Spencer. Uh, and by the way, if you are interested in leaving a voicemail, uh, just look at the show notes. There is a link there for SpeakPipe slash SoberSpeak, and you can leave us a message there. You get up to 90 seconds. You can say anything you want. Keep it PG rated, please. All right. Now on to Mr. Gary K. Gary K. is going to talk about steps two through nine in Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you want to hear more of Gary K., by the way, you can go to episode 91, and he talks about uh, steps one and two. And then you can go further back in the archives to episode number 69. He has a... Um, an episode entitled, There is a Solution. So a few of the things that Gary is going to say in his message that I caught. Number one, he says, I didn't need more God. I needed less me. I love that. He's going to address the subject of keeping secrets in Alcoholics Anonymous or just keeping secrets in general and the damage that that can cause. Uh, He addresses transparency and the subject of grief and sadness. He talks about the amends process, and I like it when he says in here, we repay money with money and love with love, and he gives some examples of that in his life. All right, so if by any chance you're not in the secret Facebook group and you want to be there, send me your email address to john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com, and I will send you the invite. Anyone is welcome that wants to be in the group. There are many amazing like-minded friends of Bill W. Al-Anon and other 12-step programs in there. We have a great time. Uh, if you're not following me on Instagram, hit me up. I'm at at soberspeak, all one word. And if you have been positively influenced by either this podcast as a whole or an episode, please pause your device and share it with a friend or family member. It may be just what they need to get through the day. Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, or lords and ladies, please welcome the one and only Mr. Gary Kay. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So we are sitting here today again with Mr. Gary Kay. So Gary Kay, why don't you go ahead and give, introduce yourself and give your sobriety date, if you will, please. Sure. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Gary. I'm really grateful for a sobriety date and a new life that started July 25th of 94. Okay. So we had Gary on recently. Uh, actually, I, this is the this will be the third time Gary is on the program. Uh, his first episode that he did. Oh gosh, Gary, I'm not looking at the title of. Do you remember the title of your? Oh, there is a solution, solution. is what it's called. Gary K. There is a solution, and Gary K. Kind of came on and he told his story, um, as most of the guests do. Uh, but as I had mentioned last time. We had such a good response with Gary that I wanted to get him back in here and kind of walk through the steps and his experience, strength, and hope where the steps are concerned. So last time, we basically covered steps one and steps two. And this time, we're going to go on from there. But before we go on from there, Gary, is there anything else that you did that you did not get to cover regarding steps two, step two last time that you would like to uh, begin with here before we go on with the other steps? You know, probably simply the thing that Jerry showed me, and I believe this now out of the book and my current sponsor that I've had for 24 years, that step one is always the problem, no matter whether it's about alcohol or anything. I'm powerless and my life's unmanageable. I've got to identify that. Step two is always the solution. I need a power that can do for me what I can't do for myself. And I got that from Jerry out of the, out of the steps, you know, uh, the steps are not something to do. You know, they're not linear after a while they're circular and they're not folks will say, what step are you on today? And I'll say, I'm not, you know, it's now become a way of living. I, I do specific steps but they're all part of a of a whole they're not separate from each other but i know when anything comes up in my life like we ended last time you know 
I want to look at the consequence the, the, that I think is the problem going on. It might be about money or a relationship or a kid or whatever. It's going to be a consequence. Um, and I'm upset about it because I'm unhappy with something that's happened. And I'm not accepting it. And I'm making a problem out of it. And I've got to get back to the problem is I'm powerless and my life's unmanageable. The solution is going to be a power. And Jerry said, step three is you making a decision to apply that power to your problem. And one of the things that I experienced out of that, and you would think we would learn this stuff once and forever, and I don't. I've got a good forgetter. The solution is never found in the problem. And I'm the guy that wants to dissect the problem to try to find the solution. It's not there. It's apart from it. And I've got to make a decision to get out of myself and surrender to this power so that my problem can be solved. And we'll get over on page 85 and we find, you know, he says when talking about alcohol, that the problem has been removed. And I'm simply bringing this up with one and two at this time because I'm a guy that wants to solve problems and it seems like what my higher power through this program does is I don't get to solve them, I get to a point where it's removed as a problem and when it's removed, there's no more problem. And sometimes I don't like that, I want, I want it solved, you know. But right. when it gets removed, it's gone. Well, I've got to make this decision. I'm sitting in a meeting with Jerry. I'm probably about three weeks. We're at this point in the book. And the topic that day was step three. Now, I can't, your listeners won't believe this, I can barely say my name in meetings. I am so afraid I'm going to say something wrong. But they called on me that day, and I said, well, what I think step three means, and I had to sit next to Jerry, and he leaned over to me and said, pass. <laughs> now, he didn't scream it. I've never been yelled at. I've never been talked down to, but it felt that way. And afterwards, I'm looking at him like, why'd you do that? And he got the book, and it's right there on page 60 it, where we've read the ABCs that I'm probably alcoholic and can't manage my own life, that probably no human power, my kids couldn't do it, my mother couldn't do it, my wife couldn't do it, I couldn't do it, no human power could solve my problem with alcohol, and that God couldn't would have sought. And then it says, being convinced, we're now at step three. He said, read that. And it says right there in the book just exactly what do we mean by that and what do we do. He said, why do we need your opinion? <laughs> We've got instructions on step three. We don't need to know what you think about it. You need to experience that step. And we began to read that. And that step is so meaningful to me. That reading is so meaningful. I read it every morning and every night probably 95% of the time since I was 10 months sober. That's part of my morning. That's part of my evening of reading 60 to 63. And I found some things in that that are, they're going to lead me on into to making this a design for living. I find that I really am like the actor playing the director, trying to arrange the scenery, the set, and all of that stuff. That's not just true for when I'm coming in. That's true today. It's all, it's a living solution, a living program. That wasn't back then. That's now. And I'm the guy that we had a gal in our group. Every time she shared, she would end with saying, all you need is more God. And it's like somebody running fingernails over a chalkboard for me because I thought I'd tried that. Mm. And there in the reading of step three, I find out I don't need more God. I never have needed more God. I need less me. If I can find some way to get me out of the way, all that's left is God. There are only two wills, my will and God's will, and God's will isn't the problem. 
I've got to have some way of getting me out of the way, and there's plenty of God when I'm gone. But it's a daily, continual surrender of self. Get self out of the way, and God's all that's left. I've been told uh, by my current sponsor, I want to say 50 times, probably more than that over the years, that my problem is always on page 62. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our trouble. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-pity, and delusion. You know, and he says, that's your problem. The solution's always on page 25 where it reads, almost none of us like, I'm sure glad Bill wrote it that way, the self-searching, the leveling of the pride, the confession of the defects which the process demands for its successful consummation. Well, that's not just his first time through the steps. That's today. When something comes up, it's always about self-searching and the leveling of the pride. So we get into that, and it gets me to that prayer, and I, I'm seeing me in the director. I find my drunk log in step three. I find every alcoholics I've ever talked about drunk log in step three. Were we not producers of confusion rather than harmony? That's right. I don't need to go into all the details. Everybody in my life that loved and cared about me was left confused. I was never the producer of harmony, not just because I drank, but because of extreme self-centeredness. If you notice in our book, by the time we get to step three, alcohol is hardly ever mentioned. We're now dealing with the real problem, and that's self-reliance. And if I can't find some way to give up self-reliance, I'm going to have to manage my life again by drinking again. So it's surrender to self, surrender to self. And that's going to be from now on. That is this way of living. He said, you ready to do step three? We're at the club on Saturday morning. And I thought he was just saying in general, and I've learned by now to say yes when he asked something. He said, good, let's do it. I didn't know he meant then. <laughs> and about that time, Alan walked in the room and said, what are you all doing? He said, Gary's going to do the third step. They got on the floor and kneeled, got a big book out. I'm a quick study. I knew they didn't want me to bless them, so I knelt with them. <laughs> He put his finger on the prayer, and I prayed it out loud. And I'll tell you, my first experience with that third step prayer is the floor at Suburban is very hard, and my knees hurt. And I was scared to death somebody was going to walk in the room and see me kneeling on the floor with two men's arms around me. I got up as quick as I could. And what I've discovered out of that is one of the great joys of recovery. The God of my understanding takes my actions a whole lot more seriously than I do. If I had waited until I understood it or until I got it or until I thought I was ready, I believe I'd be drunk today. I'm so grateful for a sponsor that took me through the steps out of the book and when it came time to do something, we just did it. This is a program of action. The understanding always follows the action. Then he did a horrible thing. I've been in meetings now for about a month, and I've been hearing stories about the fourth step. And I know from those stories, you're supposed to wait. You're supposed to take your time. You're supposed to get all of this stuff really down and complete. We went over to his house. He sat down a yellow pad. He said, I'm going to town for a few hours. When we get back, we're doing your fifth step. Now, I knew that wasn't right because <laughs> I've been in enough meetings. And he had showed me how to do the columns, and I did the resentments. And what Jerry told me, he said, Gary, it's not going to take you six months. 
you could tell a stranger in the bar next to you any night the people you resent. Just put them down on paper and do it exactly like it says in the book. If they come to your mind, put it down. Do the names and then go across and do the what happened and then go do what it affects. Get those three columns done. I'll help you with the fourth one. And I got started and I did the resentments. And I did the fear and I just couldn't think of any. So I kind of skipped it over. I came to the sex part and he's gone, remember. And I'm trying to do that inventory in the same four columns and I'm getting all messed up and Jerry came back and he helped me and this is what I do with a lot of my folks. We do it together. These steps can be taken together. We got to the fears and I said, Jerry, I just don't know anything I'm afraid of. And he said, and I found out later he was been waiting to use this. He had heard it. Said, if this cup of coffee were black widow spiders and I poured them down your shirt, would you be afraid? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, go ahead and put down spiders. He said, are you afraid your kids are never going to talk to you again? I said, yeah. And he said, put it down. Are you afraid of growing old and sick and being alone? And I said, yeah. And he said, put it down. And before long, I had a page of fears that goes on and on and on. And then the book will say on those, why did we have them? And then it helps us out. Was it because self-reliance has failed us? And we went on through those. And he said, in the relationships, you don't have to put out everybody you've ever had sex with. We're looking for patterns. Put down people you've been intimate with. He said, you can even put your mother on there. And I thought I was going to hit him. <laughs> he said, we're not talking about that. We're talking about an intimate relationship. Ask those questions of her. Where did you arouse bitterness, jealousy, suspicion? What should you have done instead? And he helped me go through those lists. And, you know, we, we did the whole thing. I didn't leave there feeling elated. I felt totally drained. You know, and I looked at that and thought, my God Almighty, that's the stuff that I've been holding on to forever. And I just kind of felt ashamed of myself and told him my ego was busted down. I did what he said we're supposed to do. He told me to go home, put the book on the shelf and take it down. I read six and seven. I did the prayer, and I didn't think much of it. Did you actually put the book on yep, the shelf? I actually did all that stuff. Just so you could follow the directions. And didn't get much from it, and that's important is for later on. I got back to him two nights later, and the man had been listening to everything I'd ever said, and he had created an eight-step list. Much more thorough than what I would have done. So he created it for you? Uh, Yes, out of all the listening, he said, here's the people I've got on your list. And what he basically said was, Gary, you're going to repay money with money and love with love. And if you've got people in your life that you go to, like your brother, and he says, oh, the money's not important. The money's important. You owe it. You pay it. You know, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll tell you, it took me 16 years and seven months to complete all my financial amends. But I was free from them after about six months. I was paying five and ten and fifteen dollar money orders. I owed $141,000. And I got them all paid. And I've had sponsorship that said, you don't go buy it. I remember when I wanted to get a new car, and my sponsor said, oh, good, you got all those amends paid. He said, why don't you get a car that will work for you instead of one that will make you look fancy until you go get your amends paid. You're stealing from them if you buy that fancy car with their money. And I'm grateful I had that kind of sponsorship. I could tell 10 hours of stories of how my life today is full and rich because of the discipline I received from financially taking care of all of those amends that I never would have done without the directions of the book and the sponsor. I love it. 
We will be continuing our conversation with Gary Kay in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak, and you can find us at SoberSpeak.com for all the other previous episodes, if you'd like to listen to those. And uh, you can also find the donate button on our website if you uh, want to use that. If and only if the Spirit moves you to do such, please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you. Excuse me. The listener. Sober Speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions. We are not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. We do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. All right. Now back to Mr. Gary Case. So I love that part with the financial amends. Uh, and uh, wow. How many years was that to, t- to pay it 16 off? years and seven months. Wow. Do you remember who the last payment was to? The last payment was to uh, one of those credit agencies that had bought some of my old papers. Wow. Because he had me do personal people first and then current bills. And then I had to go back and chase down all the ones that were past seven years old that I thought I'd gotten away from and pay back the people who had bought the paper. You know, and he said, it's you're buying your own freedom. You're buying your own self-respect. Uh, I'm amazed. I'll get online every now and then today, and every credit re- bureau has me at like 8.20 or 8.30. And stuff. I'm amazed how credit, hell, I don't need it today. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I call the program come all the way in and sit all the way down and stay. And it's kind of in sections. Coming all the way in is everything I ever did in my life through the first three steps. And it just takes everything we did to get to that point of knowing that I've got to turn my thinking and my actions over to something. Because like Jerry used to say, a five-year-old kid on dope could have done a better job with your life than you've done. And they could have. The sitting all the way down is steps four through nine. And I'm going to be the only one to know if I've done that. And in some ways, they're the easiest of all. We've got real specific directions. But I've got to do that in order to, you know, Bill starts talking about in the third step, we're building this arch through which we can walk anywhere in the world a free person can go. And that's those steps four through nine. I'm not going to be able to be free unless I take those actions and I can go today any place I want to go. Not, you know, I can do what I want to, but as a dad, by making the amends, I can go when their grandparents, who used to be my ex-in-laws, when they die, I can go to be of service to be at that funeral because all that stuff is taken care of. You know, my daughter never did have to say at my granddaughter's birthday, We'll put mom over here and daddy over here. She just said, y'all come because an arch had been built for which I could walk a free man to be of service. That's beautiful. And the four through nine is you just do it. And so many people I, I experience today sponsoring a lot of guys with more time than I have. And I'll start, I'll ask the first questions. I'll say, where do you stand on your original nine step amends? And most have never completed particularly the financial, you know, and it's, we just have to do it to have freedom in my experience. You're buying your peace and happiness. I like Uh, that. You know, it's not your money. It's theirs. (laughs) 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 And I I would want a lot. I said, I'll never get that repaid. And he said, if you can steal it, you can repay it. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it and I did have people say, oh, don't worry about the money. I, my brother said that. I told Jerry, and he said, he's worried about the money. I went back to him and said, Herman, i got to pay you the money. Do you happen to know how much I owe you? And he went to his office and pulled out a folder, and he had it down to the penny. <laughs> when they say it's not about the money, it's about the money. And I, that just meant I could talk all day on that. My brother today has a brother. That's one of the greatest gifts of this program. 
I'm as close to him, and we had no closeness before. My sponsor and my brother, the two men I'm most, you know, the closest to in this world. Now, I got to move to something right quick on six and seven. I got a new sponsor at 14 months. My first one moved out of town. I've completed all these steps, and I'm just getting my first sponsee. The first night I met with my new sponsor, he told me two things that changed my life. One, he said, Gary, your only job with me is to become totally transparent. You've got to become transparent with another human being. And I know you may not do it all overnight, but eventually you've got to become transparent. The other thing he said, there's two things we'll never treat as problems, and that's grief and sadness. So those are just part of the human condition. They're not problems to be fixed. That's part of the manageability of having a power greater than yourself that's not alcohol. It can take you through the sadness and the grief without having to get drunk over them, but it's not going to keep you from having them. Human beings have sadness and they have grief. It's just part of the deal. And you're going to learn how to have joy and sadness in the same day. And we could never do that before. But uh, transparency just hit me. If you remember in the earlier session, I said that a third insidious thing about alcoholism is that we're people of secrets. We keep secrets. We kept our drinking a secret. We kept so many things secrets. And it hit me, you know, transparency is what's been lacking in the first 14 months. Because I'm in recovery and I'm loving it, but I'm still keeping and I'm even manufacturing some more secrets. You know how you get in AA where you don't want them to feel bad about you, so you present yourself rather than be yourself. And I discovered out of talks with Steve, it's on six and seven. Six and seven for me basically means this. I can do anything in the world I want to do so long as it doesn't have to be a secret. It's not the actions I'm going to take that are problematic. It's keeping them a secret. You know, Steve said things like, you can sleep with any woman you want to in AA. We don't care. Just make sure it's okay with her husband. (laughs) If she's a newcomer, just make sure it's okay with all the people that you're a predator. It's not what you do. It's keeping the secrets. I tell my guys today, you want to do internet porn and internet gambling? Go for it. Just put that computer on the kitchen table where your wife and kids can see what you're doing. Because it's the secret that's going to kill you. And if I've got a secret, today at 25 years or when I got here, if I've got a secret, keeping my secret is more important than being intimate. And I'm going to have no intimacy with no person because of my secret. And when I get alone again, I'm going to get drunk again. Because I... I get drunk, and we stay sober. And to be part of the we, I've got to live as much as possible a transparent life. I've experienced in here that if I'm serious about six and seven, I'm going to be doing a tenth step all the time. We may not get there, but I would tell the share with folks listening, nine, I mean, ten and eleven are not for extra credit. <laughs> they are the ongoing program and as a person of character defects and i found them in the inventory what were our mistakes being frightened being dishonest being selfish being self-centered those are my defects of character that's what they come out of and if i'm going to surrender to this program I've got to do a tenth step real often or I'm going to have me a whole new load of garbage. I've only done one fourth step since I've been here, but I've probably done hundred or better fifth steps with other men. And when I do that, I'm always going to share with them things that I was never going to tell 
both from the past and if I've got something current going on, I let them know that also. And I don't keep any secrets from my sponsor. Never have I been told, you better not do that. What he says is, you better pick up an extra meeting, and I want you to get a newcomer right away because this behavior is almost going to kill you. Three times in here, in 25 years, I've gone to him with things, and the first thing he said is, I don't want to talk to you about it. You go to a meeting, find a newcomer, take him out to coffee, and after you've started working with him, I'll start working with you. And that's what we'll probably end this session up with, because about the time he talked to me about transparency, that six and seven, I got this new guy. And I'm wanting this guy to get it so bad I can't hardly stand it. And I'm going to his house twice a week, and we're doing exactly what Jerry did with me. And this guy's about 70 years old. He's horribly abused several families. I'm quick. I'm there a few weeks, and I realize, good God Almighty, I'm sitting here with my daddy. That was big for me. This guy and my dad were no different, and I've done all the steps, remember? But sometimes out on the porch, my dad is still that SOB. Sometimes, you know how we can talk at the coffee shop and out on the porch? I've taken the steps. I've done the direct amends. But sometimes the children's mother's still that bitch. Sometimes those in-laws, you know how we can tell our stories. And I'm working with this guy. And I realize there's not a dime's worth of difference between him and my dad. And if I get to be sick spiritually, and if this man gets to be sick spiritually, so do all the other people in my life. And I've got to find some way to have them transformed. And I discovered out of that that God's will for me is never an itinerary. It's always an attitude. It's about the kind of person I'm to become. And if I'm serious about my life being changed, I can't take away my defects of character, but I can show my higher power demonstrations of my willingness to be changed. And it came to me that one demonstration that I can use is my vocabulary. And I had to quit calling my dad an SOB. And I had to start calling him a still-suffering alcoholic. I had to quit calling the children's mother anything but the children's mother. And those are not my ex-in-laws. They're the children's grandparents. And I found over time that I'm going to live in the world that I describe. I want to live in a world that is full of love and peace. So I'm not going to describe a world that people are out to get you and you got to always be careful and die. I don't live in that world anymore. The 10th step tells me we've entered into the world of the spirit. It's a whole different world than where I used to. But to live there, I got to change my vocabulary. And doing this man's fifth step, I really got a hold of my fourth step for the first time. Does that make any sense? It does. It's it. always that way. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, I used to think I'm this fantastic teacher. And I found out my newcomers are always the teacher and I'm the student. Because when I'm taking them through this process, I'm having my new experience with this process. And fantastic things happen. Now, calling him a still-suffering alcoholic didn't feel good. Calling the children's mother the children's mother instead of what I wanted to call her didn't feel good. But, you know, over a period of just a few months, he quit being a still-suffering alcoholic, and he became daddy. Over just a period of a few months, she quit being that bitch, and she started, when I'm talking to the children, talk to them about your mother. When my daddy died, when I'm five years sober, I'm in the hospital holding his hand, telling him I loved him, and he never did change. What happened is on page 25, there is a solution. 
the solution is not a new set of circumstances. It's a new attitude. When I show my demonstration to be changed by changing my vocabulary, I got a new attitude. And I lost a man I loved that day. If you had told me back then, I told you, it is, I'm never going to do that. But I go to his grave now. I show him pictures of his great-granddaughter. I talk to him, you know. Now, is that goofy? I don't know, but, man, it sure does feel good. It's a whole new life and a new experience. Y'all gave me a great childhood. You know, and I found out later half the stuff I believed about it wasn't true anyway. It was just my perception of it. And when I get that resentment out of the way, I get a true picture of the fact that I've always lived in the grace of God, and everybody has. No matter how horrible some things may have been, there's always been the opportunity for new birth. You know, I found out in that, it says there in the inventory, the fear inventory, we're here to play the role as he assigns it. Now, I didn't see that when I took the fourth step. I saw it when I'm listening to fifth steps of other men. The roles, as he assigns it, it's still dad and son and brother and spouse, only now as he assigns it, those are not my children, I'm their father. That's not my brother, I'm his brother. That's not my job, I'm their employee. And when I can look at life through that lens, my only job is just to be the best dad, friend, brother, employee I can be. And whatever they do, however they act, is none of my business. Now, I can't do that perfectly. But with y'all's help and with staying here, and staying here for means sharing with other people what's been so freely given to me. By staying here and working with others, that attitude's there most of the time. And what has happened is two phrases have pretty much exited my life. There are very seldom any two thems in my self-talk anymore. How could I have done that to them? You know, all that's to the two thems. They're gone because I realized out of my dad. He didn't do any of that stuff to me. He just did it. That's what spiritually sick people do. They just do things. I didn't do that stuff to my kids. I just did it. Now, I'm responsible, but I'm not to blame, if that makes any sense. There's nobody to blame for this illness. You and I are the only ones responsible for the recovery but I know today my life could have taken no other turns than the one it took after I had that first drunk. Those things were going to have to happen because that's what a spiritually sick life ends up looking like, the way I was on July the 25th of 1994. And recovery creates a new life where there are no two them. And you know the other thing that's gone most of the time is to me. How could you do that to me? How could my kids do that to me? Nobody out there is doing anything to me. They're all doing it for themselves. We're not that important. I'm not at least. And I've got to have some way to keep the two thems and two me's out of my life. And I find this spiritual program has lived out out of the big book, does that for me. And I find that the language it uses, if people are concerned about trying to do it right, is we don't do it right. Look at the words that Bill uses in the book. Seek, salt, try, effort. There's no fine line or you got to do it exact. It's just seek. And I may have told this story that I'll end with here before. But I've got a little granddaughter. One of the greatest gifts of my life is that the daughter I abandoned lets me 
I got to go spend the first week she was home from the hospital helping that daughter with a new baby. Not because I'm special, but because this program has got power in it. There's a power in this program. You remember when they start coloring? About three years old. And they're all selfish. Look at me. Watch me. And they bring them to us, and we put them on the refrigerator. Nobody says, we're not putting that stuff up. <laughs> what I found in AA is every effort I make, the God of my understanding puts on the refrigerator. He doesn't say, you didn't do it right. You didn't color in the lines. It's not all perfect. You tried. It's going up on the refrigerator. And all I got to do to have this life is just come all the way in and sit all the way down and stay here to show others what's happened to me. Uh, and you get a wonderful life out of staying. God bless you, Mr. Gary. I appreciate that. Um, you know, one of the best parts about uh, doing this um, podcast for me is that I get to sit across from you Guys, people like you one-on-one. -on -one. And as you can see here, I'm taking a lot of notes as you're speaking. And I get to go back and review these things and uh, put them into practice in my life. And uh, you have been chock full of nuts today. And I do appreciate it. And we will try, as your schedule allows and my schedule allows, to get you back in for... I don't know, possibly like uh, the 10, 11, or 12 steps, and maybe even some of the traditions uh, at some other point, uh, and to kind of wrap things up. And But I sure do appreciate you being here today. Thank you for sharing with the audience. Thank you for having me. All right, so on page 164 of the big book, it says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Can and I interrupt you? You sure can. I want to throw in another page. You got it. The whole program's on the first full paragraph of page 100. Each day is the day you and the new man must walk the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. We found the things which come to us. That's a big deal in here. I always want to go out and make them happen. The things which come to us. When we put ourselves in God's hands, we're far greater than any we could have imagined. Follow the dictates of a higher power. That's the steps. And remarkable things will come to pass, no matter what your present circumstances. Thank you. And we're going to end it on that this time, because that was just absolutely wonderful. Just so you know, kiddos out there. Gary does that right from his head. He's got no book or anything in front of him. And I think that he has committed that to memory. And there's a good reason for that. So, all right. Thanks again, Gary. That was page from page 100 of the big book, just in case you want to follow along at home. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now. I could listen to Mr. Gary K all day long. He is out of this world. If you have any comments for Mr. Gary Kay, or if you have any comments for any of the other speakers and you'd like to contact me regarding them, you can email me at john, J-O-H-N, at soberspeak.com. Always like to hear your feedback. All right, so now time for a little bit of listener feedback. Pommy writes in, I hope I have that name right, P-A-L-M-I. I am Pommy is from Iceland and Pommy writes in and says, hi, John, I'm Pommy, an alcoholic from Iceland on and I am seven months sober. Thanks for a great podcast. Just discovered it and it has given me much. I wish to be added to the 
Facebook page. My email is such and such. Keep up the good work and keep sober. Well, thank you, Pommy. And we got you an invite out and uh, you're more than welcome to join the Facebook group. Hope all is well over in Iceland. All right. Chris writes in from the United Kingdom and he says, uh, hello, guys. Excuse me. I've decided to try and get myself sober. Could you please send me a link to your secret Facebook group? I stumbled across your podcast by accident looking for info online. I think I've come to realize after 19 years of drinking, I need to sort myself out. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my job and my girlfriend. I've listened to just a couple of episodes. You do a great job. Thanks for doing what you do, Chris from the United Kingdom. Well, thank you, Chris, for writing in. And um, I hope that you get the help that you need. And I'm sure you will. God bless you. I'm praying for you right now, actually, as I am saying this particular podcast, saying as I am um, talking about you on this particular episode. Ruth writes in, and Ruth is from the United Kingdom as well. This is turning into an international affair right here. Ruth says, hello, John. I hope you are well. Well, I am, Ruth. Thank you very much. She says, I am 80 days sober today, and I am so grateful to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, congratulations, Ruth, on your 80 days. She says, I'm a Londoner in the United Kingdom, and I love listening to your podcast. I came across Sober Speak when I was on vacation in the middle of nowhere in France where I would have had to drive for hours to find a meeting. I would love to join your secret Facebook group. Um, My name or my account is Ruth such and such. Kind regards, Ruth. Well, thank you, Ruth. And I know you made it into the Facebook group, and I'm so glad that you were in there. And uh, once again, congratulations on your uh, 80 days and uh, keep me posted. I sure hope you do. Katie writes in. And Katie says, hey, John, thanks for supplying the podcast. Well, you are quite welcome, Katie. She said, I'm only 11 days into into my sobriety, but I feel your podcast helps me on my way to and from work. And when I'm feeling crummy, could you add me to the Facebook group? Of course we can. I am in the Chicagoland area. I lost my life partner in February after a short after a short battle with an aggressive form of cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Katie. I really am. All the while, I was completing my graduate degree and teaching degree. I had to put work and school on hold for a while to care for him. And after he left us, it seemed my life finally hit rock bottom. I enjoyed the episode with Megan H. on my way home yesterday. Her story really resonated with me and gave me the courage to stay sober for another day. It was, cr- it, was, it was crazy the amount of similarities I kept finding between her story and my own life. By the way, I want to let you know, Katie, that I sent those comments on to Miss Megan H., and she was so appreciative of that, and it was good, good, good to hear from you. Anyway, she, uh, Katie goes on. I decided to take the st- to take the next steps in getting sober when I felt the complete and utter craze of being out of control. So I stopped at my local used bookstore and found a copy of the big book. I'm going to attend my first meeting this weekend. All right, Miss Katie. I'm also back on track to complete my degree in December and I am a student teaching in, and I am student teaching in Chicago. I also attribute my choice to take this sober journey with meeting several people, one in particular who has been very honest about his sobriety. I feel the shame today, but I know with the help of the fellowship and my spiritual guides, I will be ready to share my story someday. Keep me in your thoughts. Pax Pax et Bonham, Katie. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. I think that's in Latin. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that means peace and love or something like that. You know, I, 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 
I could actually look these things up before I start this, but I didn't. But anyway, thank you so much for writing in, Katie. And and please let me know all about your first meeting. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. And as far as that person who uh, was very honest about his sobriety and helping you get in get into this sober journey, I hope that he can hear this as well. And God bless you, my friend, whoever that was. Kimmy writes in. She says, I, I'm assuming this Kimmy, K-I-M-I, could be Kaimai, it could be Kami, uh, could be many different things, but I'm just going to assume it is Kimmy. She says, hi, John, I live in Reno, Nevada. I celebrated two years of blessed sobriety on July 12th. I have an awesome sponsor and, start, and I just started with my first sponsee. I am actively in service with my home group. Sounds like you're doing all the right things, Miss Kimmy. She says, I am an alcoholic who didn't quote, get it, unquote, my first two attempts. After a 72 day rehab, I came home with a new understanding of this disease and a sense of my my part in recovery. Today, I thank God, AA, and I live a good life. I have, I have a love of my, I have the love of my children back in my life and two beautiful granddaughters. I just stumbled up on your podcast and I encourage others to tune in Kimmy. Well, thank you for writing in, Miss Kimmy in Reno, Nevada, and uh, I wish you well as you go along your journey here. Opie writes in. She says, Hi, John. My name is Aura, but all of my friends call me Opie, so you can as well. But thank you, Opie, and I will refer to you as Opie. Isn't Opie the name of the young man in the Andy Griffith story. Yeah, in fact, that is Ron Howard, now that I am thinking about it. And you know, people used to tell me I look like Opie when I was a little kid, just to kind of give you an idea what I look like. Nonetheless, she says, <laughs> my sober date is June 4th, 2019. I have been drinking and using since I was 18 and I just turned 33. I happened along your podcast while searching for sober podcasts. I don't get to attend meetings hardly ever because of my schedule and my two young girls. So it was a blessing to find you. It helps me get grounded and comforts me in times of struggle. This is the first time in my adult life that I've ever been sober. I would like to be part of the secret Facebook group. My email is such and such. Thank you again for doing this podcast. It has helped me in ways that you can't imagine. Sincerely, Opie. Well, Opie, thank you for writing in. That That is, uh, gosh, that's just a blessing. And uh, by the way, I know you can't get to meetings very much, but if you, oh, you know what I started to say, if you want to join us this Friday night, but by the time everybody hears this, my Friday night Sober Speak Live thing will already have been over. So forget that. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll have another event at some point in the future and you can tune in in the secret Facebook group. David writes in and he says... Hello, John M. I've been listening to your podcast now for more than a month, and I drive for Uber. So in between passengers, I listen in. I've been sober now. That'd be really cool if you actually played it while they are... Uh, why you're driving along, you know, some of them could use it, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, especially, you know, like late at night, midnight, when those people are getting those Uber rides home, <laughs> you could definitely put on sober speak then. But anyway, I've been listening to your podcast now for more than a month and I drive Uber. So in between passengers, I listen in, I've been sober now for almost seven months. However, this is my second time around 23 years. The first time. I want folks to hear that 23 years the first time. So just because we have long-term sobriety under our belts does not mean we are immune to slips by any means. And he, anyway, he says... I go to a lot of meetings, but being able to listen to your podcast is just almost as good as going to a meeting. I just finished listening to Jenny K, 
the one about the atheist, the one that's it's called, uh, uh, Jenny Kay's called uh, uh, Atheist Finds Light or something like that. I, I'm right in that area. And anyway, she says, Jenny Kay was right down my alley. One of my favorites also was Gary Kay, both of his talks. Well, hopefully you just heard Gary Kay talk on this one as well. Uh, both of his talks were great on the steps one and two in the other talk that he did. I I would almost like to have him come up to Seattle and talk for one of our big speaker meetings that we put on and pay expenses to have people come from out of town and talk. Well, you know, uh, Gary does travel a lot and go to meetings. If y'all ever want to do that, uh, uh, feel free to reach out to me and I will get you in touch with Mr. Gary K. Anyway, uh, David says, I come to Dallas often and I have uh, cousins in Mesquite and Kenny. So next time I come down, I'm going to go by the Frisco group and hopefully you'll be there. Great job and keep up the work. Dave B. in Issaquah, Washington, 15 minutes out of Seattle. Uh, And he says, my home group is the Tiger Mountain Stag meeting that it meets every Thursday night at 8 p.m. And the group just celebrated the 30-year anniversary. And also, my son is a member Uh, And he's 23 and just celebrated three years. I'm so thankful for AA. Well, that's great, David. Uh, Good to hear all that. And if you are ever down here, let me know when you're going to be at the Frisco Group. I would love to put a name to a face with you. Anicia writes in on. Oh, no, wait a sec. I did this last week. (laughs) I'm so sorry. So that's it. Uh, I could read it again, but nonetheless, uh, that is for, that's it for listener feedback this week. God bless you. Keep coming back. It works. If you work it, I will probably be back next week. Uh, and adios.